Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lalita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. Also, if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, now it's time to get into our show. Today, we have Sterling White joining us. Sterling, excited to have you on today's show. How's it going? All right, everyone. Welcome. There's going to be absolute bombs. Go to Nuggets Drive. <laughs> put your seatbelts on. We're going for a ride. <laughs> I love it. Love the energy. So before we get started, here's a little bit about Sterling. Sterling is a multifamily investor specializing in value-add apartments in Indianapolis and other Midwestern markets. With just over a decade of experience in the real estate industry, Sterling was involved in the management of over $10 million in capital, which is deployed across an $18.9 million real estate portfolio made up of all multifamily apartments. He is the author from Zero to 400 Units, a top bigger pockets contributor, and the host of the Real Estate Experience podcast. So Sterling, you're such a well-known person in the space, and it's clear as to why. So let's get into it. And could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Oh, gosh. So I would say it would all start with my uh, childhood. So born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, and the parts where when people tend to map out Indianapolis, they would consider those, uh, they would put those as red zones to avoid. And so single mother, fraternal twin brother, I grew up on government assistance, uh, but it's food stamps, Section 8 housing. And I remember one instance where we were actually sitting down, both my brother and I, we're about six years old and we're eating dinner. It's like Roman noodles or and cut up hot dogs, something along those lines. And as soon as we get done eating, uh, we go upstairs and a bullet comes right through the back patio where we were sitting. So I may not be here. He may not be here, but uh, ended up using that as fuel versus a crutch. Got started entrepreneurship bug, early elementary days, selling Kool-Aid to kids across the school, and then shifted to investing. So really fast forward, got in construction 2000, this was 2009, 2010, I was about 19 years old, and then transitioned to single family home investing where I bought my first property with no money out of pocket, scaled up to 150 single families, and then made the entire shift to multifamily, exiting out of all the single families, and now just own under uh, 400 units. So that's like the compact spark note <laughs> version, clip note version for everyone. Awesome. I feel like we could just talk about that for an hour. That's awesome. Great story. And I'm uh, excited to hop in here. So we're going to talk about a wide range of topics today because Sterling has so much experience across the board. But let's start with your transition from single family to multifamily. What was that road like? Explain why you made that decision. What was that like for you? Yeah, I would say having that many single families, so had some that were in Indianapolis, predominantly in Indianapolis, and then several about just under 40 that were in Dayton, Ohio, very, very management intensive. And then also in terms of buying that many single families, this wasn't uh, 
portfolios of 10, 20, 30. It was more of one here, package here of two, package here of three, if we're uh, uh, likely. So it was a lot in terms of the marketing efforts, looking at a lot of deals, and then just decided where do we want to be long term? And it just made the most sense to transition to multifamily. Okay. And then did you self-manage all 150 of those? Well, there was a team, but yeah, it was a property management company that both my uh, partner and I had built. Okay, great. Tell us about your first multifamily deal then. So you transitioned out of your single families, you got into multifamily. Tell us about that deal. Where was it? How did it perform? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the very first deal was a 46 unit. So literally skipped from single families to a 46 unit deal and found it by taking the traditional route of driving for dollars actually had a Honda Accord, which I'm a huge fan of Hondas, not affiliated by any means, not pushing people, but uh, that was one of the things that I leveraged is just taking the most affordable route, found this property that needed work. The parking lot looked like an alligator's back. It was very bland of a property. So pulled the public information, saw it was owned in the LLC, and then skipped trace the LLC to find who the owner was, and then picked up the phone. And it actually turned out they were motivated because this was their last apartment that they were looking to sell. And uh, they had tried selling it and didn't get uh, very good results. And so from that, it just happened to, to catch them at the right time and was able to get seller financing, total purchase price, 900000 They carried back 700000 and we just had to come to the table with two hundred to acquire it. Wow, that's awesome. So let's dig into that a little bit. So talk a little bit about skip tracing. You mentioned that, but I don't think we've talked about skip tracing on the show. So I think some of the listeners would be interested to hear what that is and and how you go about that process. Yeah. So if I was not a full-time investor, I would be a FBI agent when it comes to, (laughs) because most of these times you have to really do digging to find who the owner is of these entities. And in essence is you're just finding through whatever strategy it could be through the local county to find who did the article, who filed the articles of organization. There's other Google searches that you can use to find who the manager, the managing member is of that entity. And then from there, once you get their first and last name, hopefully it's not something as common as John Smith. Uh, In that case, you're just out of luck. You really have to do digging. But in that case, then once you get their first and last name, you can use a a source such as truepeoplesearch.com. That's free or uh, beenverified.com. And then from there is not affiliated with either of those. And then from there is you get their contact information and then you just give them a call and give them your pitch. Okay. And so how did that go with that first person? Is that the first time you ever called someone? Did you get lucky or, or how many people are you calling and digging through to get your own property? There was quite a bit that went into that one. And I want to premise before this, there was tons of deals that were looked at before. Oh, first shot, 46 unit deal. Awesome. No, there was a lot of rejections. Actually went the traditional route, which is going through brokers. And this was in 2017. So the market was starting to heat up and every deal that the broker sent over and the people were paying 30 to 40% more than what we could actually pay, which was a little bit uh, top of what we could pay. So they were paying way more than uh, what we could do. And so instead of sitting on the sidelines, it's not the right time to buy. I'm just going to wait for a quote unquote correction to happen. Why not take destiny into our own hands, build our own database and go direct to owner? Yep. Awesome. And so do you still own that property today? Uh, have went full cycle on it. So ended up 
getting, this was about a, just under 17% in terms of the uh, IRR on that specific deal. And our range originally was about 15 to, I would say, 18%. So there was definitely some bumps in the road. That was the first project and ended up more so wanted to be a buy and hold investor. But it was one of those things that the expenses were, it, it was quite the, I wouldn't say undertaking, but we were also looking to shift to larger deals as well to get more economies of scale. Had a 1031 buyer that offered a, provided something we couldn't refuse. So ended up selling. Okay. So two more questions on that property. What were some of the challenges? And then just uh, go into detail on how the seller finance piece works. Because I think a lot of people do some seller finance on smaller properties, but not really a 46 unit or even apartment buildings in general. So can you dig into that a little bit as well? Yeah. So the seller financing, seller financing element on this was one with the uh, owner, there was actually a mortgage that was taken out on the assets. So they owned it free and clear. They said, you put $200,000 down of which that was a race from investors. And I'll carry back a note of 700,000. And then we also went to our investors to raise additional cash to take care of uh, the improvements. And year one was a 3% interest rate. Uh, the second year, it goes up to five. And then the last year, I believe it was seven or nine. And then there's a balloon after that. So that's how we ended up structuring that deal with that uh, specific, uh, the, the owner of the property. Okay. So kind of like a bridge loan, right? So in year three, you would have had to done something, whether it was refinance or, uh, exactly. or get out they of that and get into a new loan. Okay. And, and that's why the interest rate went up like that. That's why it went up because the, the seller wanted to be out of it as soon as possible. But we negotiated the seller financing because they were aware it would have been very difficult for us to get a lender in there because the occupancy was close to about 70% on that deal in particular. Okay, got it. So talking about deal flow, what's your main source of deal flow? I mean, are you still doing this where you're driving for dollars and calling owners by skip tracing them? And, and or are you now working directly with brokers, yellow letters? What's your main source? I would say nurturing relationships with brokers, but have yet to get a deal uh, through that. And so the primary channel has been cold call. And yeah, that has worked. And the thing with that is it is a whole nother undertaking, meaning we built a whole acquisitions arm, which of course that is, you could say a business in itself. But yeah, that's the route we've gone. Primary channel is cold call with, of course, we mix in direct mail as a way to follow up and stay top of mind. Okay. Talk about how those conversations go with those owners, you know, because I know they probably get hundreds of calls, right? We own apartments. I get calls and yellow letters all the time that I just ignore. So how do you get them on the hook to even start talking about, yeah, maybe I am interested in selling to you, Sterling? It's a numbers game at the end of the day, meaning if someone says, yeah, I'll sell for the right price or above market, that's not going to be a good fit. And we follow up on that person at a later point. But if someone, so there was an 80 unit we bought uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, in which the owner originally said they would be open to selling. And this property was distressed. It was a mom and pop owner, uh, meaning that the owner actually threw his son into the fire to manage the property, had no business experience. Great guy, great guy. And also, that, uh, what is it? He had no uh, property management experience alone that. So those are the things is they were just running it into the ground. So I just knew it was a matter of time and focused more efforts on that. So originally they were interested, completely understand if anything changes, don't hesitate to reach out. But the biggest secret I would love for everyone to get away from this is even when you're buying, you're still selling. So it's a whole cycle and it was just through multiple follow-up attempts 
it turns out month six, then things transitioned. They needed to sell and they wanted to sell. They actually removed everyone else who actually got in touch with them and tried uh, buying the property as well, just due to me following up and also making it about a relationship. Okay. And so what is your process? Is it once a month, every other month? And then is it first a phone call, then a yellow letter? I mean, what's kind of your step-by-step process? Uh, It really does vary upon property because each individual is in different cycles. Uh, But if I, if we, and now I've built, uh, put a process in place. So there's a team now. And so what that is, they'll they'll call, let's say it goes to voicemail. Then in that case, that's when we'll follow up two days later and we'll stick on that cadence until we'll get in touch with someone. And let's say after the sixth call, we're still not able to get in touch. That's when we'll do some additional digging to then send them a direct mail piece or even go through a relative. Uh, so use that uh, sources that I mentioned in terms of database to find a relative to get in touch with them to then ping that person. Uh, so that's 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 one route. Now I'll give you all the example of this is I was having difficulties getting in touch with an owner of 121 unit here in Indianapolis. And I actually found their daughter's uh, contact information. Uh, well, found their, their first and last name went to Facebook. It was all business, you guys. That's one thing I want to mention is I slid into the DM and said, hey, looking to get in touch with your father, Justin. And she actually gave me the, the his mobile number directly. I reached out to them. They weren't interested in selling. But that's what I mean, you guys, is going, doing what others won't do and doing the habit of going the extra mile. So, Okay. And so are all your deals seller financed or have you had to do a straight purchase and get a, a bank loan or you know an agency debt loan? Uh, so that very first one was seller financing. All the other ones, well, the one after that was an all cash deal, which was a 50 unit. And then the ones after that have all just been traditional uh, financing in terms of the, the lender will come in and provide 70% of the, the, the purchase price. And then the remaining 30% will come in from investors and then we'll raise additional cash to take care of the improvements. Okay. Now, uh, the thing I think about here is you're, it's all about volume and scale and numbers, right? But then there's the underwriting piece. It does take several hours sometimes, especially when you're digging in. What point do you underwrite? How do you know, you know what you're going to offer on that property? Or is it something that you're just going after your criteria? If someone's interested, then you get more into the numbers. Yeah, I would say do a back of the napkin up front to see if it's within range. And that's a very quick 10 minute analysis looking at, okay, this is the T12, uh, how it's currently operating. Some of these things we can actually normalize when we actually take over the property. It's not going to run out of 70% in terms of the operating expenses. So we'll look at that and then look at the upside and there's specific metrics that we want to be at after the reposition. And then from there, if it hits those numbers, then we'll give a verbal to the owner. And then in the event that they say, okay, we're ready to rock and roll, then that's when we really do a deep analysis, especially when we're doing the due diligence and building out for performa. Awesome. And do you think your system can work in any market? I would say yes, and where there's multifamily. I believe there's some markets out there that don't have multifamily, but I would say the process in itself in terms of, let's say you're buying a property in Australia, for instance, the, the process is calling the owner directly, and from there is understanding the numbers and then turning something around very quickly, and then from there they accept, then doing a really deep analysis and really building something out. 
Okay. Now let's talk about branding a little bit. You've done a really nice job as far as building and expanding your brand. Do you think that branding, the way you've done it, has helped you get some of these off-market deals and really create that successful business? Yeah, I would say branding is huge. And I'm an advocate from the personal branding route. And I fund that, f- follow that to my uh, various businesses, Signer Investment Group, for instance. So I'll be on, let's say, biggerpockets.com. If you guys are on there, it's phenomenal. It, it's free. Uh, that's one thing. But uh, I, or my podcast, for instance, or being on here is that being the, the personal brand and then being of value to people. And then that funnels down. And then also I was speaking with an owner the other day and they said uh, that, yeah, I actually Google searched you and I've seen nothing but good things about people who have worked with you. So people do search you and if they search you and they don't find anything, then that's a probability that will, let's say they have A buyer, B buyer, C buyer buckets, then you could have just moved down from an A all the way to a C or an A to a B. Yep. I love that. So if you're just getting started, what would be the first couple of tips you'd give someone to starting a brand? Myself is just to document your journey versus because many people get confused and say, well, I'm not able to just simply go out there and say how to buy, what does it take down a multifamily syndication or tips is just document where you're at. A prime example, what I did when first starting out, and this was when I started in, well, I did the construction. I did some wholesaling as well. I talked about when I completely butchered a wholesale deal and that is documenting my journey, being transparent. And that was one of the ways I was able to start to build a brand because people saw I was relatable and just being of value to others because where you're at, someone is a step behind you. So if you can be of value to that individual, I'm all about give, 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 give. And one book that was unlocked for me was uh, Gary V's book, Jab, Jab, Right Hook. Phenomenal. And the jab, jabs are the value. And then the right hook is to move forward with my uh, invest with me or uh, whatever your service is. But the original title of the book was supposed to be jab, 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 jab. No right hook. So value, 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 value. Got it. I love that. Yeah. When Lolita and I first started, you know, I had that imposter syndrome as well. Like, oh, I shouldn't be talking about multifamily and all that. But what we did is we essentially documented our journey. So far, all we had done was, you know, hired a coach, picked a market, um, started underwriting deals. So that's all we talked about for the first couple of months. And then the next month when we, you know, made an offer on a deal, we started talking about how we made that offer and then so on and so forth. And so it's worked really well. So I completely agree with you there. All right. So what about when people tell you that they don't have any money to get started? I think, you know, that's a common misconception in real estate in general, but multifamily especially. Yeah, it's an excuse, I would say. And if that person wants something bad enough, they will figure it out. Myself is I was so broke when I got started in the industry. You guys, I remember having $5 to my name and going to the gas station and filling up my, was it 13 miles per gallon truck up to about 40 to $45. So that's how broke I was. And I would go into the negative. Of course, I would pay it back. But in essence, is my very first deal. I had negative funds and I found someone to partner with who brought the cash as well as the experience in exchange. I was, in, I was valued to them because one, I started working for them for completely free. And also I brought them a deal because interesting enough, they're looking to diversify from multifamily to single family. So that normally people go the other way. But in in this case is I brought the deal 
and they brought everything else and threw me into the fire. Okay, Sterling, go figure everything out. How did you meet that partner and talk more about like, how did he agree to say, okay, I'm going to help Sterling out here because there's so many people nowadays that are saying, Hey, how can I add value to you? How can I add value to you? And in trying to get a mentor, what are some key steps there? So for me, this individual actually happened to be at the CrossFit gym that I was working out at. And it's a whole nother story to itself, but I was training for the, the world's fastest fireman, Kerry Mile. And I'm not a fireman, those of you who are wondering. It's just how you carry someone. And I had to beat a specific time, which that's a whole nother story in itself. But in essence, I met that individual at that CrossFit gym, which I was actually bartering to be at that gym because CrossFit is very expensive. And so uh, from that is we already had a relationship and I always overheard them talking about construction, uh, being in the real estate space. And this was about five, six months after we had did workouts together. And then I just approached him and said, hey, let's go out to Subway. And I had no clue actually how I was actually going to pay for it. And so we sat down and I said, how can I be of value to you in your business? And I said, the kicker is you don't have to pay me anything. And the very next day, he took me in this property management office. And the value that I really brought in that relationship from a tangible standpoint was whatever they needed help with. But more so, I brought more of a digital presence to renting his apartment units because he was more of an old school operator. And that was the biggest value I brought. And then also when he was looking for single families, he had the cash but didn't have the time. And that was the other value exchange that I brought as well. Awesome. I love that story. All right. So what's next for Sterling White and your company? I would say uh, at this point in time, it's just growth. And one of my personal, well, one goal that I have is just to have over uh, 3,000 units across the Midwest, just strictly on the multifamily. But my huge, one of my uh, utmost missions is to really be an ideal and a message for the individuals that grew up where I grew up, hey, you don't have to take this path that majority of people take. You could take this path and this is how I did it and this is the the blueprint. There's a way out. Awesome. Love it. All right. One completely unrelated topic. I know you recently interviewed Grant Cardone. Tell me how you got it. And it's got to be some of your off-market stuff. I mean, it's amazing, <laughs> right? I mean, you just get it. But how did you get him to, uh, or how did you interview him? Yeah. I mean, first off is it's, that was a surreal experience because that's someone who I listen to on a daily basis. When I mentioned earlier, when you're buying, you're selling, uh, I got that from him so much in terms of an unlock love. I hate him. You guys, I, I'm a fan. And so it was one of those situations I've invested in myself. So I've gone to what uh, the, the conferences he has and I position myself to be, I ask specific questions to him to be seen and then I just called him at the, the time and said, hey, we'd love to have you on the real estate experience. It'll give you a lot in terms of exposure towards your company because he's looking to bring on investors. So that's how I positioned it. And then it came down to the follow-up because exactly it was one of those things. He said, yeah, 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 yeah. One of those types of things. So I was like, okay, well, this is where to follow up. He pushed me to his assistant. And then that's when it just came down to more of the selling and the follow-up and then was able to get it locked in. And I committed and just got it done. That's amazing. Congrats on that. That's huge. All right. Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Yeah, let's roll. (laughs) All right, Sterling, here we go. This podcast is sponsored by Bullpen. 
Bullpen is an online marketplace where you can find and hire top-notch commercial real estate analysts on an hourly or part-time basis to support your deals. The analysts on Bullpen have various skill sets from office brokerage in Topeka to multifamily development in New York and everything in between. We use Bullpen as a second set of eyes on all of our underwriting. Find your next analyst using Bullpen at www.bullpenre.com. Use our promo code APTCAPITAL when you sign up to receive a $100 credit towards your first hire. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? I would say my mind. Mm, I like that. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Whew. Okay. Well, quick story is this was a apartment, 118 unit in Cincinnati, Ohio, in which the owner had been patching the roofs for, I would say, closer to about just over a decade or so. And we ended up going under contract in our underwriting. We assumed that we could patch the roofs too. So we were a little bit like, we get through due diligence, fast forward, and we go on when we're walking all 118 units. Uh, one thing is you guys bring a snack because that's pretty long days. And on the second floor of each, there was a leak. So we ended up getting roofing contractors up there to, to get bids. And they said, you guys are going to have to replace all these. So we went back to the seller and they said, well, I told you at the beginning, I'm not budging. So we had to get a mutual release and we were invested $10,000 from the, the lender fees and the, the inspector, the engineer, all that. We just looked at it as intuition. The very next deal, uh, which was an 80 unit here in Indianapolis, we ended up getting the seller to replace the roofs before actually closing. So we actually t- took those lessons on that one and used them to b- before going through all the steps, had everything done up front. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? I would say understanding who is Sterling White. I'm on this everlasting, ever-evolving uh, self, you could say awareness, self-enlightening, understanding what experiences as a child, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, the traumas that have ultimately shaped me to who I am today to just be further enlightened and understand who, I'm at, who I am as an individual and just keep maximizing and growing to, towards my potential. Finally, Sterling, where can people find out more about you? Uh, yeah, you can find out about me, signerinvestmentgroup.com. Uh, that is S-O-N-D-E-R, investmentgroup.com. And then also Instagram, Sterling White Official. Sterling, what a privilege that was for us and our listeners. We appreciate you shedding your wisdom and experience with us today and for being on our show. Awesome. Thank you so much, you guys. Thanks, Sterling. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.